So this morning, we're going to start off and we're going to talk about praising your way to victory. Amen? Praising your way to victory. And so to this morning, this is not a formula. This is a lifestyle. Okay? So when, when I'm talking this morning, I'm going to be getting into some things, but I, I don't want you to see it as a formula. Just one more button. That might be the button that I'm missing to push. Amen? This is not about a button. This is about a lifestyle of faith, a lifestyle of praise. Amen? And it's praise is not just singing. It is a part of singing. Singing is praise to the Lord. You can do it in singing form. You can do it in talking form. You can do it in expressive forms, other ways of form. But you can just lift your voice in praise, even if you don't have a singing voice. Amen? Amen. And you can do the best you can in your shower. Amen? Amen. If you don't think so. I'm going to go to... Um, I don't know how talented you are, Ocel. I know you're very talented. But if you want to jump on the media, oh, there is somebody back there. So sweet. All right. And so you can just follow me if you, if you would like to. So we're going to go to Luke 1, verse 12. Luke 1, verse 12. Um, that's where we shall start. Amen. And so in order to talk about praise, I've got to go here first. And so Friday night, Annie um, covered this in, in her healing meeting. And I just, I thought it was so wonderful. I just couldn't, I couldn't um, bear not to say something about it today. But before we go into praising, why we praise, all that good stuff, um, I want, I want you, if you, if you don't, you won't do something you're not convinced of if it's not beneficial to you. If you don't believe something's beneficial to you, you won't do it. If you don't believe some kind of food or some kind of activity or exercise or working a job, making money, if you don't believe something is beneficial to you, you won't act. Amen. You won't do it. You'll just sit in your lazy boy at home and go, this ain't going to be doing me no Lazy girl, you won't be doing me no good. Amen? And so this morning, we have to. God's a faith God. Uh, Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He's a faith God. So you cannot please him without faith. Let's not make that hard. Faith just means that you're to believe means you to accept what he says as truth. That's all, that's a decision that you make. It's an act of your will. That if God said it, then it's true. Amen? And so to believe is, is an action. It is actually acting on the word. To believe means just say, he said it, and I accept that as truth, and now I know it. Amen? All right, so when we go to Luke 1, there's two, two things going on. You've got two stories, right? And so when you come to Luke 1, verse 12, it says... Uh, verse 11, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So Zacharias is very old man. His wife is very old. They are past childbearing age. Every woman, basically, especially back then, every woman, you know, wants to bear children, wants to have children, wants to procreate, wants to have son, daughters, whatever. And so they never had any children, but they always wanted children. They've been praying for years and years and years, Lord, give us a child. Right? And so now they're in their 70s or 80s. They're just too old to have children. They're past 
childbearing age. And so verse 12, 11 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now I'm going to kind of talk fast, read fast, because I only got 50 minutes. So I know y'all can hear twice as fast as I can speak. So that's why I talk fast. Oh, I'm not going to drag. So then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, verse 12. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Listen, I will tell you this, all through the Bible, whenever an angel appears to someone, it's like the first thing they always say is don't be afraid. Because you're just like taken aback going, whoa, what is this big being standing in front of me? And he always says, don't be afraid. That's the God side. That's the light side. The dark side always makes you afraid. But when some big being stands in front of you and says, don't be afraid, it's always like an angel of the Lord. Amen? And I, I just love that. He said to Zacharias, don't be afraid. And he said, for your prayers are heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go also before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. I mean, what if you were a mother or a father going, I'm going to have a son that's going to be going forth in the spirit of the power of Elijah the prophet, right? You're like, woohoo. And it says that verse 18, He's now in verse 17, last bit, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Is that good news? Man, that is great news. An angel tells you that that's what's going to happen. And then Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Let's think about this. An angel of the Lord appeared to a priest that's been ministering in the house of the Lord for 50 million years. And he's been praying for a son. And the angel just appeared to him. This is a miracle and says, this is going to happen. And now he says, how shall I know this? <laughs> that were not the right words to say. How, so don't ever ask an angel, how shall I know this? Or the Holy Spirit, after he appears to you or says something to you, how shall I know this? Being that we're past childbearing age. Now, I want you to see the angel's response because he wasn't happy. And I want you just to take note. Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I was sent to bring you these glad tidings, but behold, you will be mute. I'm going to strike you dumb because I don't want your mouth to get in the way of what God's about to do. I'm not going to take the time to go to Genesis 1, but in Genesis 1, it said the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth, and then God said let there be light. 
the angel just spoke out what was going to happen. And the Spirit of God is hovering over Elizabeth's body. And the angel spoke those words out, and she didn't want, he didn't want Zacharias to undo those words. I don't know how this is going to happen because we're not, we can't even bear children. And so he said, okay, this is how you're going to know. I'm going to strike you dumb. And you're not going to be able to speak until the baby boy is born. And then you're going to give me glory. He could have given him glory right then. That's all he really needed was his word. But he didn't believe it because he said, how shall I know? All right? So be careful about that. You don't want no angel striking you dumb. <laughs> I mean, praise God, it wasn't worse than that, right? And he said, um, I'm Gabriel. Uh, you will be mute. You will not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe. I told you that, but now you read it in the word because you did not believe my words. He said you didn't believe what I said. You did not accept this as truth. So now I'm going to strike you dumb because I don't want your words messing me up. Amen. From here until nine months, until baby John is born. Amen? Amen. And so that's what happened. He was, he was struck dumb. I mean, can you imagine doing coffee time with your husband and you got to do sign language and you got to write everything? I would just stop talking for a while. That is not fun to have to write everything you want to discuss with people. So then let's go on over. Same chapter, same chapter to another story. Are you ready? So now we're talking about that angel, same angel, um, appeared, Gabriel, verse 26, to a virgin, never had sex, never known a man. To a virgin, verse 27, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, blah, blah, blah. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When an angel tells you to rejoice, it's, it's high time to rejoice. Amen. All right. Amen. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, what? Do not be afraid. There you go. That's their call letters. That's their call words. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. There's no higher. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. Da-da-da. He tells them all the great things Jesus is going to be and going to do. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? She didn't say, how can I know what you're saying is true? She said, how can the performance of this thing happen? She's already accepted as truth that this is going to happen, but she just wanted to know how are you going to perform that being that I don't know a man. Yeah. Now that is a legitimate question. Mark Hankins says it this way. God 
is the performer, you're the believer. You don't have to know how he's going to do something. You just have to believe that it is done, and I accept this as truth. We don't have to know, but how it's going to be done. But Mary, she didn't do anything wrong. She just said, basically, how can this be? Not how am I going to know what you're saying is true. That's a whole different situation. And so she says, I don't know a man. Should I go sleep with a man? You know, that, that, that's what's going through a young lady's mind. There's no one has ever had a baby before without the normal processes of having a baby. And so she, that was a legitimate, how can this be? Now, don't, don't go with me, but Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance. It may be not something that you can touch with your five physical senses, but it is a substance. It is a thing. Faith is the substance. It's the replacement of that thing that you hope for until that thing manifests. So it is actually the thing. So that's why God said, when you pray, Mark eleven twenty four. when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. Believe it's answered. Believe you have it. In other words, you're reaching. That thing belongs to you. Those things that Jesus died for you in the covenant, it belongs for you. Now reach out with the hand of faith and say, I receive that. It's mine. It belongs to me. It has my name on it. And so now that is what I have. And so that's what faith is. You believe you have it before you see it. Amen. Amen. You believe and you accept it as truth. If Jesus said it, then I have it. If Jesus said in Matthew 8, 17, himself took my infirmities, then he took them. I don't have them to take. And he bore my sicknesses, then he lifted the burden of sickness off me. Bore means to bear like a beast of burden, where that beast, that donkey, you know, that mule over in, the, you know, in Wyoming, they go, they go camping, they go hunting, they got all the stuff, and the guy's leading the donkey. The guy's not got the stuff and the backpack on him. He's got it on the mule. That's what that word bear means. It means to lift a burden. And so if Jesus said in Matthew 8, 17, referring back to, to Isaiah 53, himself took, Jesus healed all who were sick. Why would he heal all who were sick back then and not heal you? Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he'll do today. What he, did to, what he does today, he'll do tomorrow. But you have to accept that as truth. That's already been promised you. That's already in your covenant. You just reach out and say, I have it. That's for anything that Jesus has already done for you because of the covenant, because of the blood of his sacrifice. Amen. Amen? And so Jesus said, I mean, it was written in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is a substance. Faith is a substance of things you hope for. You need to have hope. People say, don't get your hopes up. No, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. If Jesus said you have it, then you have it. You get your hopes up and you thank God every day for it. It's mine. See yourself with it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen with your five physical senses. Touch, hear, smell, taste, whatever the other one is. <laughs> I'll feel. I can't, I can't think of what the fifth one is. But the truth is, is that you know what I'm talking about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. It is evidence of things you can't see, not of things you don't know. It didn't say it's the evidence of things you don't know that aren't known. If Jesus said it, then it's truth. And you have to accept it as truth. 
Amen? Amen. So it, it is, that's what Mary did. She's like, okay, <clears throat> how can this be? I accept it as truth, but how, how do we do this? How do we do this? Being that I've never known a man, how are we going to have a baby? And then he said this, the same thing that he says here for Mary is good for you. Then he says, verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit, just like he did in Genesis 1, he's hovering. He's hovering over the face of the waters. He's hovering over the face of the deep. And when God said, let there be, bam, Holy Spirit went to work. The word of God in your mouth is just as power as the word of God in his own mouth. If you'll say the word, Holy Spirit has something to work with. Amen. So do the angels. The Bible says the angels are waiting. The angels are waiting in Hebrews 1. It says they're waiting. There are ministering spirits to the body of Christ for you, for the heirs of salvation. To do your bidding, you speak the word, they go out. A lot of angels are on layoffs right now because nobody's speaking the word. They are bored with their lives. Go ahead and just speak the word. Read something in the word, speak it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. Bam, angel goes to work. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down, and, right? I have no lack. Angels go to work. Read Psalm 23 out loud. Read Psalm 37 out loud. Read Psalm 34 out loud. This poor man cried out to the Lord. This poor woman cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard her and delivered her out of all her troubles. Amen. What's all? 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 Say it. All. Open your mouth and say, this poor man, this poor woman cried out unto the Lord and he heard her, heard him and delivered him or her out of all her troubles. Angels go to work. They start delivering. They start moving and shaking. They start fighting demons in the second heaven. That's what they do. They're waiting on your words. And that's what he said was going to happen here because angel Gabriel spoke the word, you're going to have a son. And so he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Same for you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the way that you need. Yes, he's inside of you, but he will start maneuvering the things that need to be maneuvered in your life when you speak the word. The Holy Spirit, and that's why we're talking about praise even though you don't, think that I am right now, we're going somewhere with this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So the power of the highest will overshadow you. There is no higher power than the power of the highest. He is the highest power. So just as angel Gabriel spoke those words, Jesus spoke some words over you. If you say to the mountain, Mark eleven twenty two, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. Amen. Your mind may not always accept what you do on Mark eleven twenty two, but you say it. You say, Lord, I believe in my heart. My mind doesn't always have to agree, but the more you say it and the more you see it, your mind will eventually come into an agreement. Well, I can't say that. I don't really believe it yet. Why don't you just start saying it? Because you'll see it. The more you say it, the more your heart will get in agreement. It works in reverse. 
It doesn't matter which one comes first. Just start saying it. Lord, I believe. That's what that father said in Mark 9. Mark 9, help my unbelief. He said, I believe so far. Help thou my unbelief. Amen? And he said, according, he said, nothing shall be impossible. I, I love what, she, what the angel said here. Verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, verse 37, nothing will be impossible. I want you to say that today. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm with God. He's in me. For with God, nothing in my life that I'm believing God for shall be impossible. Hallelujah. And so what did Mary? You need to say what Mary said. So verse 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. She says, I accept this. Let it be to me according to your word. Very different story than Zacharias, right? Thank God she didn't have to get struck dumb, right? Let it be. Everybody say to me, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Say it again. Lord, let it be to me according to your word. So what does believe mean? It's a means to accept something as truth. If you don't accept something as truth, you're not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. Why, why do you think in a formal or corporate worship service, 50% of people do not respond to us singing and worshiping the Lord? Why do you think that is? I don't know. No, I, I mean, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Finally, I just close my eyes because it just starts to distract me. But I've learned how to look at you in faith. Amen. People. Amen. Not y'all, specifically. <clears throat> I've learned how to look at the congregation in faith. I used to not be able to do that. I'd see people playing with their hair on the back row. I'd see people talking so dishonorable. I mean, at least be quiet. I mean, at least stand there and look like you're reverent, even if you're not going to open your mouth. At least close your eyes. At least get your hands up halfway. When you get your hands up all the way, it says, Lord, all it says is, Lord, I'm submitted to you. People that can't raise their hands are not submitted to the Lord. Pride. Amen. Pride. Pride. Amen. This says, Lord, Amen. you are God and I'm not. Amen. This says, Lord, I am God and you are not. Wow. That's what it says. If the Bible says, I would that men lift up holy hands everywhere, what does it mean? I would that men lift up holy hands everywhere. But half of the people don't accept that as truth. Well, what good is that going to do me? Well, that's not going to do you any good. Nope. <laughs> you got to do things in faith. Yeah. Amen? You've got to accept that as truth. Yeah. So when the worship leader, whoever it may be, at the moment says, lift your hands and worship the Lord, we're not pumping the crowd. No. We're not hyping you up. We're just trying to get you to act on the word of God. Amen. He said, lift up holy hands. Are your hands holy or are they unholy? So when I say lift up holy hands, let's lift up holy hands and say, God, you are God. God, you are God, and I am not. I humble myself before you. I praise you. I give you glory because you're worthy. What is the number one reason we praise God? Because he's worthy. 
I mean, he did die on the cross for us. I mean, he did shed his blood for us. I mean, he did do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. No matter what kind of bad day you're having, no matter what's going on in your week, you can walk yourself in this place and say, thank you for the blood. Thank you that I'm going to heaven. If all else fails, at least I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to spend all eternity in hell. If everything goes bad in my life, at least Jesus died on the cross for me and he did for me what yes. I couldn't do for myself and I can flat lift my hands and say thank you for the blood of Jesus I can lift my voice and say you are worthy Jesus you are worthy you are great you are awesome you have done wonderful things for me God I thank you praise Jesus amen that's what turns me on up there I'm not hyping you I, I'm getting myself Amen. going, thank you for the blood, Jesus. Amen. Thank you that I'm not dead. Right. Brought me up all. I mean, if I was dead, I'd be in heaven, mm -hmm. and so I'd be having a wonderful time. But Paul said, you know, I'm a benefit to you if I stay a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. I might have could have died when I was 38. I don't know. But I was as good as dead when you can't get out of bed for three months. You know, you're like, what good is that? without passing out, I decided it was time for me to praise the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes. The Lord told me one morning when I woke up, I was so debilitated, so incapacitated, couldn't take care of my family. I'm laying in bed. He said, I told you all this, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And you better take it as commandment like the Ten Commandments. He said, I told you to rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I didn't feel like I had a lot of good reason to rejoice. He said, I don't care what you think or feel. I told you to rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstance. Not because this happened or that happened. He said, rejoice in me. Am I not worthy at least for dying on the cross for you? I'm like, oh my God. And then he said, be anxious for nothing. Wow, that's easier said than done. He said, I told you not to do it. I told you not to worry. And because you have worried for eight solid years over this situation, that's why you're in the bed. It's killed your adrenals. Worry kills your adrenals and other things. It does other things to other people, just happen to do it. Now, they weren't totally dead. Praise God for that, or I would be dead. But when you wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock, a normal person's adrenals are 4.0. What's your adrenals? It's that fight and flight. It's, yeah. that, it's that when someone's coming after you, you have the energy to run and get away or fight, right? It's this adrenaline rush that gives you energy. But if you have none, you're going to collapse. And they're going to overtake you. But because I had worried horribly for eight years over a couple of situations, and I just wouldn't let them go. When I woke up in the morning at 7 o'clock, I was at 0.04. When everyone normal is at 4.0 or 3.8. Well, what does that look like? It looks horrible. <laughs> it looked horrible as far as me. I couldn't get out of bed. 
You can't get out of bed at 0.04. You're going to need some help. I didn't have any adrenaline shots. I didn't have any stuff. I didn't want to do that way. I didn't want to become dependent on it. So guess what? I did it the Bible way. He said, I told you to rejoice. I said, well, what if this happens? He said, if this happens that you've been feared of all this time, that means you love this more than you love me. Because he asked me, and it was hard. It was a hard question. He said, what if it happens? Oh, I did not want to hear him say that. He said, what if it does happen? That was not the answer I wanted. I wanted something very uplifting, like, I got this, baby girl. I'm your papa. Come sit on my lap. No, that's not what he said to me. He said, what if it does happen? I said, that's horrible, God. He said, that means you love that or them more than you love me. That means that's become an idol to you. Oh, God. I'm a pastor's wife. There's no idols in my life. He said, yes, there is. That idol of worrying, thinking you're going to fix this? He said, until you let it go, it can't be fixed. He said, you give me glory and let me show you what I can do. Let's go to Psalm 22.3. Psalm 22.3. Woo, this helped me during this time too. So he said, be anxious for nothing, but he didn't leave it there in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. He said, be anxious for nothing, but... He didn't just say, don't worry. He said, be anxious for nothing, but let your gentleness be known to all men. Next verse, 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Is it? It's, it's stuck. It's frozen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh, well, we don't do enough of that in this church. We don't do enough of that in our lives. We, I don't do enough of that. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Then let your request be known to God and the peace of God and the peace of God, which will heal your body. The peace of God, the rest of God. It will guard your heart and your mind. I, I, I had gotten to the place where, and this has to do with adrenals going, going south, <clears throat> that if I had one negative thought, it, it, it would not be a negative thought to you, but it would be a negative thought like, oh my gosh, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Like when you're not able to get up and make dinner, you're like, how am I going to go to the store? You know, to y'all, <laughs> that's not a negative thought. That's not like going dark. Right. But for me, if I had a, oh no, oh no, any kind of oh no thought, what am I going to do? I would collapse. Can you imagine? having a thought like, oh, what am I going to do about this? And you collapse to the ground. That, that is annoying, okay? First of all, it's scary. Your heart's beating out of control and you just collapse, you know? You're like, what in the world? I just was thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? And then I just collapsed. Well, I guess we're not going to have anything for dinner, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there comes a point where it just becomes funny and like, okay, I can't even think about that. I've got to think about flowers and birds and, and just, I don't know, you know? You know, what am I going to do? The minute I, the minute I go to what am I going to do, I collapse. That is annoying. But I will tell you, short story, God brought me out because I made a decision to praise the Lord and rejoice 
and cast the care of this situation on him, Amen. for he cares about me. Amen. I lived in 1 Peter 5, 7. I lived in Philippians 4, 4 through 8 until I got well. Amen. Amen. Now you're an 8.0. No, I'm whatever. I haven't like tested my adrenals, but I feel great when I wake up. So I don't really need to do that test again. So praise the Lord. Psalm 22, 3. I'm just telling you, if you got sickness in here, come on, this is not complicated. This is not hard. If you, well, I don't understand everything there is need to know about faith. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. That's the highest form of faith. Why? Because you're saying, God, you're God, and I'm not, and I give this to you. Praise the Lord, and you're teaching me, and you're showing me, and I refuse to even worry about the fact that I'm not sure how, if my faith is working or not. You can't even worry about stuff in the Bible that you don't understand. As a pastor's wife, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm worried about this now. I don't think this is working for me like the way I should. I don't know what happened to my, this is weird. Am I I still on? (laughs) I'm, I'm all tied up. I was fighting with my mic today. And so the truth is you can't even worry about being worried about whether I've got everything down with the Bible. The minute, the minute, the minute Satan comes at you and says, oh, and you're like, oh, no, praise the Lord. Put your hands up in the air and say, no, you're not even going to get me there. I'm going to praise God. Oh, God's not going to do for Yeah, Oh, I'm going to praise God. It may not look like God's doing anything for me, but I'm going to praise God because he said rejoice in the Lord always, always, always. So I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always because he's great. He's great. Psalm 27, 1. Boy, this helped me on service time. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. I come walking up here. I had band members carrying me up on the stage, not in their arms, but two on each side, dragging me up here, sit me out. I played the piano, sit on a chair, right? And so as long as I was worshiping God, I was good. It was a little difficult, but as long as I was, had my mind on him, I was good. The minute the song stopped, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, one negative thought, oh, no, oh, no, what? What if I fall off the chair? I begin to fall off the chair. I begin to fall. And I'd have to catch myself. I had to go and lay lay on my couch during the sermon while he was preaching because I was so weak. But, the, but while I was worshiping God, I felt strong. I'm like, this is, this is weird, God. I mean, while I'm praising God, I just can't praise you like 24-7 during that whole hour. He's like, yes, you can. When you get off the piano, just say, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is strengthening every cell of my body. Is he a liar or is he not? I accepted Psalm 27, 1 and 2 as truth. Is he a liar or is he not? I lift my hands and say, the Lord is strengthening every cell of my body. He's the strength of my life. He's strengthening every organ of my body. I lift my hands and say, I'm strong in the Lord. I can walk across that stage. I can play guitar again. I don't have to sit while I play anymore. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I won't fear nothing. I ain't fearing nothing. I don't fear no cancer. I don't fear no sickness. I don't fear no devil. He said, the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom shall you fear? You say, I'm not afraid of nothing. Somebody get in your face. No, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm not afraid of you. 
I'm not afraid of no devil in hell. For he's with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. I'm not saying you have to get in people's face like that, but when they get in your face, why don't you get back in theirs? Well, I don't want to offend. Well, they just offended you. They just offended you. They just spewed evil and black and darkness in your face. Stand up in their face and go, Jesus is Lord. G-D-F-B, blah, blah. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. Somebody cuss in your face. Cuss back in the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Because devils hate that. It's just a devil, you know, behind. They don't know they're yielding to a devil. Why are you afraid? I plead the blood. Well, maybe they don't understand that. Well, I don't understand the fact that you just GD'd in my face. I don't understand that. That's rude. Jesus is Lord. God is good. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of nobody. Amen? I used to be afraid of roaches. But... <laughs> but I'm not. Sometimes I, I like... No, we don't. And then my husband, my husband, not my husband, my son Jordan. Oh, my son Jordan. He's a prankster. And so he knows that I've had some issues with that in the past. And he, and he killed a big old black flying palmetto. I call it a roach. Roaches are little, but, you know, the big palmetto. Ooh. And so they're ugly, you know. I don't know what God was doing that day when he created, but I think the devil corrupted it. I think it probably looked better than it does now. But anyways, and then the fall of man, a lot of bugs got corrupted. So, so he killed this big old black roach, and, and he's all nice, and he's getting it up. I was like, Jordan, get that roach. Just, just get him off the floor. And um, <laughs> he gets a paper towel, and he gets it up in like a nice sun. And, and then, you know, he, I'm in the kitchen, and... <laughs> He, he's just walking like he's going to throw it out the door, and he just gets right in my face. Ah! And I'm, ah! <laughs> it's just that thing, you know, that he does to me, right? Just like that roach is going to, he's like, Mama, you're not over that fear yet. And I'm like, you just wait. I'm so getting you back. I'm so getting you back. And so the other day he walked in. He had been out running. He had his earplugs in, and, and I, 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 heard, I, heard some, I heard him coming up. I got great hearing. He opened the door, and I was standing right there, and he opened. I went, Wah! and he's like, <laughs> praise the Lord. So, you know, this is what goes on in our family. We're always trying to outdo each other in pranks. Psalm 22, 3. Did I ever? The Lord? No? Psalm 27, 1. Psalm 22, 3 says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord inhabits the praises. Now, depending on what translation you have, there's another translation that said the Lord is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Well, what does that mean? What that means, that's Psalm 22, 3. What that means is that he sets up camp right in the middle of your praises. So if you don't know what to do, you get your hands up in the air and you just start praising him. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. Yes. And we're going to read Revelation 4 something in a minute, 411, 417. But the Bible says in Psalm 22, 3, did, did I quote that wrong? <clears throat> Let me make sure. I don't want to give you the wrong. But you are holy enthroned in the praises. In. He's in, the, he's in your praises. Well, that says he's in the praises of Israel. 
But in the New Testament, he said, you are Israel. He said, you're the true Israel if you accepted Jesus in your heart. You are more Israel than blood if you accepted Jesus as Lord. I can prove it to you. I don't have time. But it says you are a Jew who is one inwardly if you've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he, you are holy God enthroned in the praises of Israel. That means he sets up his throne straight right in the middle of you praising him. When you don't know what to do, you get your hands up in the air and say, I praise you. I thank you. Because the Bible says that really in another, it's the manifest presence the Lord inhabits. So the Lord is everywhere, but he's not moving and manifesting everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is all that. He is everywhere, but he's not moving everywhere. Don't you want him to move in your life? Don't you want him to manifest in your life? Get your hands in the air and say, Lord, you're worthy. I praise you, Lord. You are enthroned in my praises. You set up your throne right in the middle of my praises. You know, when you're in school, right? Like Jocelyn, you're still in school. I think you're in your senior year. But, you know, quietly under your breath, Father, I praise you. Right in the middle of a test, I praise you. I thank you. I thank you for helping me. I thank you for helping me in this class. I'm strong in the Lord. Just say it under your breath. People are saying a lot of other things under their breath. Why don't you say the word under your breath? Amen? All right, so... God is good. Amen? Amen. Say the Lord inhabits. The praises. I cannot believe it. I have four or five. I might take five minutes. All right. Man, I am so slow. You won't do something you're not convinced if it's, it's beneficial to you or worth your time. First, you must believe and you must be grateful. What does believe mean? To accept it as truth. Zachariah said, how will I know? He knew because the angel said it to him. And Mary, Mary said, how can this be? She basically, she said, I accept this as truth, but how do I, how do, how do, I do this since I don't know a man? Two totally different situations. And then she looked at the angel and said, okay, Holy Spirit's going to come upon me, make a baby inside me. The power of the highest is going to overshadow me. What he did for her, he can do for you. That's how your miracle is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's in you already, but you're going to use your mouth. You're going to say what God said. You're going to say what the word says about you. You're going to say what he specifically says to you in your prayer time as you're praying things out in the Holy Ghost. You're going to say it, and that spirit of God is going to hover until you speak. And the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the highest is going to overshadow your situation. I know I'm talking about healing, but money, Amen. whatever, Amen. relationships, Amen. whatever it is that you need, he's going to overshadow Amen. the situation, right? Because you said, Lord, let it be to me according to thy word. Amen. If you said it, I believe it. Amen. Amen. And so let's go to uh, Revelations. Um, Revelation 4. I don't know where I wrote this. So give me a second. Revelation 4.11. Go to the end of the Bible, the back of the book, before the concordance. The very back of the book. Here we go. Looks like I'm going to have to stop in a minute, but it doesn't mean it's over. (laughs) 4.11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures 
the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, not quietly in your mind, well, I have a praise in my heart, get it out. There is no scripture in your Bible that says it's okay just to praise inside your heart. It, I, I'll make this clear next week. It says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Cry loudly unto him. Praise his name among the nations. Amen. You can't do that when it's just in your heart. No way. They're not going to hear it. Okay? Why are you guys so expressive? Why are you so loud? Because the Bible says Amen. you're not reading Psalms. Amen. I challenge you to read a Psalm every day until you've gone through the whole stinking book. Yes, the whole wonderful book. And then you will see how important it is for you to raise your voice and praise the Lord just by reading Psalms. Amen. All right. So you are worthy, O Lord. Why do we praise? This is the main thing here. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So one of the verses that helped me while I was on the bed of sickness, Ephesians 2.10. For I am his workmanship. Does God make junk? No. 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 We're in in an evil ridden earth and Satan is the God of this world and he does try to take advantage, especially of God's sons. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to stop from following him. So... I read Ephesians 2.10 over and over. For I am his workmanship. Does God make junk? No. Did he screw up when he made you? We're to praise him because he created all things. And by his will, you exist. That he wouldn't create trash and then just leave you to mess with yourself. You know what I mean? That, that's not God. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And life more abundantly. Being you know, debilitated all your life is not God's will. That's not an abundant life. And I refuse to walk in anything but abundant life. I only accept as truth what God said. I believe that. And once you believe and you accept something as truth, you'll act on it. And so, for we are his workmanship. Thanks, Colleen. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Bad works? No, good works. Lazy works? No, good works. No works? Good works. No, you cannot sit on your can at home and retire. You might not, you might be retired from a job. But that doesn't mean you're to rock in your chair on the front porch for the rest of your life. You might as well just go ahead and get your casket and go on to heaven because that's what happens. You have no purpose to live. But God has something for you to do. He has people for you to talk to. He has things for you to do, people to be a blessing to. Might be your family, might be friends. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying you have to work at Martin Marietta until you're 80. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you retire from a job, doesn't mean you're retired from life. Go do something for the king. Right? And so, thank you, Robert. Robert's helping me preach. I am a soldier of Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Before I was ever born, he said, okay, these are the good works that I want Lisa Morgan to walk in. 
He's got some good works that he prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And I told the Lord, how can I walk in good works when I can't walk? Amen. That was my situation. How can I walk in your good works if I'm laid up in a bed? That's right. He didn't say that I should lay in a bed doing good works. That's right. So I saw myself walking again. Amen. I saw myself not collapsing every time I had a negative thought or just a normal thought that people have. Like, what am I going to make for dinner? Just dumb stuff. I had to learn to re reprogram my mind. And the only thing that reprogrammed my mind was me praising the Lord. It actually changed the pathways of what was going on. It built new pathways in my head. Because my mind is what was affecting my body. You can get so depressed. You can get so in your soul that it can actually program your body to do things you don't want it to do. So it's, it, it's time for you to, number one, find out who you are in Christ in your spirit. Let the word of God build your spirit up. Then dump that over. Renew your mind to that. Then it'll start changing the pathways in your body. Amen. Your body is just a product of what's going on in your soul. And a soul is just a product if you're a born-again Christian that you've never really taken the time to really renew your mind. And Sunday is not enough. It's every day. Sunday's good. It's something. Better than staying home and not doing anything. It's a start, right? It's a start, but it, it doesn't work. It's like, it's like you going, okay, I'm going to eat one meal on Sunday, and you can't eat the rest of the week. Well, well you're not, you're not going to do good the rest of the week. You're going to be really hungry. You're going to be weak. He's like, I just can't wait till Sunday. No, you're going to eat at least once every day. At least eat the Bible once every day. I mean, if the most of us in here would say, I'm not going to eat anything today until I at least read some scriptures okay. that help me. Okay. All right. Okay. Now here comes lunch. I'm hungry. Open up your Bible. Read some scriptures before you bite into that sandwich. I mean, if we did that, we'd all be like spiritual giants. Amen. If you read a few scriptures before you ate, Amen. you guys are like packing the food in, but you're not packing the Bible food in. How do you expect to be strong? Amen. All right, so that was your very first lesson in praising yes, your way yes. to victory. Now, I know it's 955, but I'm the pastor, and I am the one running the band, so I, I, I want you, you guys, y'all just don't get enough teaching. Y'all don't get enough Jesus in this first service, so I'm going to give you one more chapter. You ready? Romans 1. I know Angie loves this chapter. Romans 1. Chapter 1, verse, <clears throat> let's see. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? The power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power to you if you believe. If you don't, it's not powerful. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's what you're going to live by. In other words, you're going to say, this is what God said. I accept this as truth. Now, listen to this as I read. I'm going to read really fast. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I got very, very discouraged one uh, years ago, and I'm like, Lord, I'm having a hard time 
proving you to people. They're like, I'm atheist. I'm agnostic. I'm like, how do I prove you? He said, you don't have to prove me. Go read Romans 1. And my Bible, he said, go read Romans 1. And so, for since the creation, so verse 18, what are they doing? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Does it say they do not know the truth? It says they're holding it down. They're holding it. They know it. They're just holding it down. So you need to know that when you're talking to someone. So I'm atheist. No, they don't, not that they don't know. They're just holding it down. Why? So verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God's already shown it to them. You don't have to prove God to nobody. He's already shown himself to them through the things he said that I've made. By the things that are made. I'll I'll prove it to you. Let's keep going. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, so the things we can't see, they're clearly seen how? Being understood by the things that are made. Sunset, sunrise, moon, rain, beautiful trees, beautiful mountains. If it happened by the Big Bang, then God was the Big Bang. Amen? And so... For since the creation of the world, this invisible, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. excuse. Don't argue with anybody about whether God exists or not. That is fruitless. They already know. God says, oh, God says, I've already shown it to them by what I've made. You do not owe them an explanation of trying to prove God. You just look at them and go, you know. He said, preach the gospel. Jesus died. Jesus rose. He took your sins. They know they need a savior. Whether they accept it or not, that's their deal. Don't argue about God's existence. That's fruitless. Because although they knew God, verse 21, here we go, they did not glorify him as God. Everybody say, everybody in the world knows there's a God. Come on, say it. They all know. That point is mute. You never argue that with them ever again. Okay? For although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. That's why. That's why they suppress the truth. They know him. He's shown it to them. It's manifest in them. He's already shown himself. They just, they don't want to. They're not glorifying him. Neither are they thankful. Let's not be in that group. You glorify him and you be thankful. The more you glorify him, the more thankful you are, the more he moves and he sets up camp in the middle of you and his presence manifests in your life. If you'll go out throughout your house and praise God every morning, I praise you, Lord. Jesus is Lord. I love you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for taking me to heaven when I die. Thank you that I'm strong in the Lord. Man, you're going to have a great day. He puts his angels charge over me. They keep me in all my ways. I worship you. I'm going to glorify you as God, and I'm going to be thankful. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you this morning. We lift our hands, like Paul said, lift up holy hands. And so this morning, we all lift up holy hands this morning, and we say thank you for the blood. Thank you for your goodness, and we thank you that we have a good day, and you're helping me today. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no wants. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. 
We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.